0: ability to engineer biological systems to replace chemical processes is making the promise of the emerging bioeconomy a reality. Some of the leading industry players, though, see a growing need to have a voice in the policy arena and have formed the Bioeconomy Alliance to ensure the sector can flourish and realize its potential. We spoke to Jason Gamick chief commercial officer of Inscripta and a founding member of the Bioeconomy Alliance, about how synthetic biology is reshaping the economy, why there's a need for this new organization, and the issues it will address. Jason, thanks for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure to be here.
0: We're going to talk about synthetic biology the emerging bioeconomy and the effort to give voice to industry on policy matters relating to it. I think when we talk about biotechnology, people still have a very narrow view around human therapeutics. When we talk about the emerging bioeconomy, what does that envision? How significant is the bioeconomy today and how far is it extending beyond healthcare?
1: Yeah, so those are really great questions and we could probably spend the entire time just talking on that one topic. So let me, let me try to break it up a bit and make it a little more bite-sized. So the way that, that we think about the bioeconomy, uh, today is, is a very different view than what we will be thinking 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, uh, as we look at how the bioeconomy develops. But, but fundamentally, the, the concept around the bioeconomy is, you know, as we know, all all things in the world have cycles, and economic cycles exist as well. And there are macroeconomic cycles such as the Industrial Revolution, which really drove the development and hardening of industrial processes uh, all the way from, you know, the concept of assembly line and manufacturing of course, the economy continues to transition. We've moved from very much of an industrial economy to a knowledge and IT and service-based economy that we've really seen uh, blossom through Silicon Valley and, of course, uh, Kendall Square and Cambridge, Massachusetts, and uh, very identifiable um, you know areas where we see that that IT knowledge and, say, service economy evolve. Well, we fundamentally believe that the next iteration of the economy is really going to be powered on biology and. I'll say that some of the concepts that we'll throw out here today during our conversation might make your head spin a bit because you'll think, how does biology really get involved in, say, transportation? Um, Or how does biology get involved in computing? Or how does biology, of course, we think about biology from a healthcare perspective, but how does that healthcare view of biology change as, as a function of time? And I'll always bring us back to, you know, one thing I think it's interesting about the bioeconomy is it it's real, and people will see it, especially consumers. We're now starting to see it translate to true consumer products. So, you know, if I would have told you 10 years ago that you'll have a protein source that tastes like beef, can be put on a barbecue and put between two buns on a patty, and you think you're eating beef, you'd probably laugh at me because you're used to those Horrible soy solutions that existed 10 years ago where it was like cardboard with a little bit of softness to it. Well now of course we all hear about impossible burgers and beyond meats and, and, you know, truly plant tasting meat proteins. That's a great example of how this economy is really going to change and it's going to be very visible to, to everybody in the country and not just the folks who may be involved in say the IT industry uh, where we see a lot of the service and knowledge economy evolve. So, Biology is incredibly powerful, and we know that things we manufacture today will be manufactured biologically in the future. And I think, you know, food products is a great example of that with kind of the novel foods and the, the Beyond Meats, but you'll see a transition to materials. We hear about uh, Adidas putting out tennis shoes now that are manufactured from synthetic spider silk, and you're starting to see these true innovations really accelerate into the commercial markets.
0: Advances in synthetic biology are enabling the um, engineering of microorganisms to replace processes that would previously have been conducted through chemistry. What's yep, the absolutely. case for using biology rather than traditional chemical processes?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so <clears throat> there's some obvious areas around things like sustainability. Um so many chemical processes require hydrocarbons or require organics to to manage those chemical processes and hydrocarbons and organics largely come from petroleum products and we know that there's a limited duration of accessibility to fossil fuels and petroleum and there's obviously a very vigorous debate on the impact of those compounds and chemicals on the environment. And we know that biology has existed for billions of years and has continued to add to the diversity of, of life. And the ability to harness biology to start manufacturing products that previously were manufactured through chemical processes has, as I mentioned before, huge, um, say, environmental and sustainable aspects, but there's also economic drivers associated with that as well. And I'll use a real-world example. Um, the There is a strong corpus of knowledge that... Uh, cannabinoids have strong therapeutic properties. And within cannabinoids, you have two largely active compounds. You have THC, which is the compound that makes you feel high when people use marijuana. And then there's CBD, which is the compound that people believe have the majority of the therapeutic properties. Well, to truly enable CBD to be used in research purposes and clinical purposes and eventually therapeutic purposes, it doesn't economically make sense and you can't physically grow enough of the raw material via a crop to have a reliable, sustainable, uh, say, pharmaceutical quality, great product in existence. You know, that has huge sustainability issues, uses a lot of water, a lot of land. Uh, it's, uh, you know, obviously, like all crops, is, is uh, accessible to drought and infestation. So the focus now is to take CBD and take the pathways that express the enzymes that manufacture CBD and express those in, say, yeast. You can then transfer that to a fermenter, and you're now working on industrial-scale fermentation, where you can ferment either CBD as a whole or the enzymes that are used to create CBD in a in a synthetic process. So in addition, like I said, to sustainability issues, there's there's huge economic drivers that really will will push to biology, because we have found that biology, in many cases, uh, is a very clean, very efficient, and very economical way to drive manufacturing.
0: Where are we in this effort? What's enabling us to do this in a way now that we haven't been able to do before?
1: Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and quite honestly, that uh, is what brought me to the company I work for now, a company called Inscripto. Um, you know, in Scripta we fundamentally believe that biology has unlimited potential to truly improve the human condition. And the reason why we haven't seen the advancements uh through engineer biology or synthetic biology is that we fundamentally believe the tools are not yet developed to truly exploit the richness of biology. And for us at um at Inscripta, you know, working with our partners who we've started the bioeconomy alliance around all have a similar view, that, you know, similar to how we saw the genomics market develop from, you know, the first human genome sequence to now being able to routinely sequence a human genome in a day or so on an aluminum sequencer, that change, that sea change, which enabled precision medicine and a lot of the standard of healthcare today, we feel the single invention of that next-generation multi sequencer has opened up an entire area of applications, which has fueled a huge industry in precision healthcare and other areas associated that uh, rely on a genomic readout. We believe at Inscripta and our partners within the Bioeconomy Alliance that that same level of innovation is happening now that's fueling the bioeconomy. And there are various tools at Inscripta. We utilize a very powerful technology you've probably heard of called CRISPR to precisely engineer and change the uh genetic makeup of microbes uh to create new phenotypes that are used to move into bioprocessing, manufacturing foods, nutrients, materials and so on. So fundamentally the the key and as you think about other economic kind of changes and cycles, you know, the industrialization and uh, the development of, of tools, the development of assembly lines. When we moved to the IT and service world, it's the development of the Internet, uh, the standards associated with the Internet to be able to transfer information back and forth. Um, and, again, we see the same uh, developments happening now within the biology world with the next generation of tools to allow us to truly explore biology. I mean, as you understand, biology is incredibly complex. You know, we are just starting to scratch the surface of our knowledge and understanding biology. And that next generation of tools, such as what we're bringing forward in Scripta, is is we firmly believe one of those inflection points to enable biology to be a main driver in the economy.
0: Let's talk about the Bioeconomy Alliance. Who makes it up? What is it? And what's it aiming to do?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So the Bioeconomy Alliance is, is a new entity. Um, as a matter of fact, we're actually going through the work right now to establish a 5013C uh, to actually set up a, a true nonprofit that we can then use to engage policymakers, uh, regulators, legislators, and help, under- help educate them and understand the power of biology and how the economy is going to transition. So You know, this started about a year ago when uh, John Cumbers, who's the CEO of SynBioBeta, and SynBioBeta is a a trade group that is moving. John, over the years, has done a tremendous job of bringing together the global thought leaders in synthetic biology. And through discussions I had with John, I said, you know, we need to move beyond a conference and move to be an advocacy group. And we need to make sure that we educate the people who are making decisions that impact economic development and decisions around how we're spending funding from a basic science research perspective. You know, what are the infrastructure issues that will impact the development of the bioeconomy? So through a couple of, of months of conversation, uh, we solidified around the concept of forming the Bioeconomy Alliance. And it's now uh, has uh, a small group of, of initial uh, organizations that have joined, including InScripta, uh Twist Biosciences, uh Ginkgo BioWorks, Berkeley Lights, um and, and we've we've come together really with a common view that education and policy are going to be critically important to our industry, but also very important to the development of the economy. And so uh, as I said, the group was formed about a month ago, and we're going through the process of bringing the paperwork together, although in that short month we've had some great engagements, including an invite to the White House. There was a an event about two weeks ago at the White House where they're trying to understand the power of the bioeconomy, and that was followed the next day by uh, discussions with specific congressional leaders and their staff uh, to educate them on on the bioeconomy. And I'll say something for me personally that was so... Say, reassuring and encouraging about this process is, you know, the bioeconomy is a nonpartisan issue. You know, we spoke to folks who represented the left side of the aisle and we spoke to folks that represented the right side of the aisle. And this is a unifying message. We understand for the United States to maintain its global competitive advantage, we need to transition technology. And we saw again with industrial revolution to services and IT. And now we know that biology is going to be the next driver. So how do we gear our economy to succeed when biology is a main driver? The other element about the bioeconomy that is truly a unifying element is that this is an economic opportunity that can benefit the entire country. You know, as we saw, the industrial revolution certainly benefited the entire country with factories going up from, you know, Boston to Los Angeles. But we did see, when we had a transition of the economic drivers in the country from a knowledge, IT, and service-based business, or economy, rather, that it didn't necessarily represent the entire United States. We certainly saw centers of excellence pop up on the coasts. And that economy largely, I mean, of course, it benefited the United States, but it largely benefited certain regions of the United States. And we now see this with large economic disparity between different regions in the country. Biology has the opportunity to be that—that that, uh, say fair equity across the country. As we think about how biology moves to manufacturing, the ability to set up large biomanufacturing facilities in the Midwest, where we haven't traditionally seen, say, IT and service industries pop up too much, is a unifying message. So when we were in DC, our message was well received because it is a message that isn't partisan. It's a message about. U.S. economic security about U.S. leadership um, and what we need to do to ensure that, like we led the world in the last kind of economic turn with IT knowledge and service-based, how do we lead that charge from a biology perspective?
0: The Biotechnology Innovation Organization has long included industrial and agricultural biotechnology in its purview, along with healthcare why the need for another entity present on the policy front with a biotechnology agenda? How will your work differ?
1: Yeah, it's actually it's a, it's a great question. And, and, you know, it's it's interesting because um, uh, sitting on our board of directors at Inscripta is Roger Weiss. And Roger also sits on the board of directors of bio. And I've actually engaged with Roger quite a bit around the topic of, of, you know, what is the Bioeconomy Alliance going to drive? That's perhaps different than what bio does. And so I will say, I'll start with saying, you know, bio is a great organization. It's a large organization, and it represents a lot of voices. Um, And for us, as a nascent industry that's really driving, you know, synthetic biology or engineered biology, the focus of bio is so large and broad that we need a specialty voice because we feel that, this next iteration in science is going to have significant economic impact, and there's a different investment thesis that's required for that to manifest and become reality. So, actually, I view bio as a complement to what we are doing. Um, we support bio's positions. As a matter of fact, they submitted a paper today in support of uh, an office of technology and science uh, proposal. We also support that through the Bioeconomy Alliance. So, there's many areas where we work together on. But there's some very focused areas that we have more, more, um, desire to drive more decisions. Um, and bio as a larger entity has other priorities that may not completely align, but they're complementary to where we want to go. So we see both organizations operating really in, in complement with each other.
0: You mentioned the meeting at the White House, the, the summit on America's bioeconomy. I know yes. the Department of Defense and the Department of Energy have long been engaged in funding work in biotechnology, but I was surprised during SynBioBeta when there was a representative of the Office of Science and Technology Policy addressing the conference who was trying to make the case for biotechnology, but was basically saying it was not a top priority of the administration. Where's the Trump administration today on biotechnology, and how well does it understand its potential to reshape the economy.
1: Yeah, so I can't speak for the White House, um, so I think Alexander Titus is the gentleman who you were referring to who spoke at SymbioBeta. Alexander was involved in the Bioeconomy Summit Day, and he was also with us during the Congressional Day as well. So um, I can only speak to what we've learned and what we are speaking on and educating legislators and policymakers around. Um, And I will tell you that you know this effort has largely been bipartisan. We met with science, technology and space committee, um, and the representatives that appeared were from equal sides of 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 the aisle. Everybody sees this as as a a huge focus for of uh, for the United States and making sure that we drive this economic development. So, again, I I can't speak specifically to where the White House or individual uh, congressional leaders stand on the issue. I just can say from our experience, we've received very positive feedback, including the White House visit, but also uh, on the Hill as well.
0: I know in 2012, the Obama administration had published a a national bioeconomy blueprint. This included a set of strategic investments intended to lay the foundation for a of future bioeconomy is that roadmap still being used in any way? Was it executed on? Was it successful?
1: Yeah, it's a it's it's a great question. And um, I, you know, again, speaking personally, I was living in Germany at that time, so I wasn't I wasn't too involved in in the creation of that that document or that process. I am familiar with it. Um, I have reviewed the document, and I will say that it definitely aligns to much of the initiatives that that we feel are important to ensuring that the bioeconomy does move forward. Um, you know, there is current legislation that is under consideration. Uh, there's a, a bill, H.R. 4373, which is the uh, engineering biology uh, investment bill. And so this had been uh, in committee for an extended period of time, and I'm happy to share that it passed out of committee. Uh, right before the, uh, the recess, they're now back in session, but prior to the recess, they passed out of committee. And this is one of our first legislative priorities for the Bioeconomy Alliance is to ensure that HR 4373, which is the Engineering Biology Investment Act, uh, gets sponsorship. And we're looking to really drive this, um, into both the House, and we've got good line of sight to support in the House, and then finding sponsors in the Senate to drive it across the line. But again, this is a perfect example of, of, you know, how we feel we can be active and really advocating for these types of bills, which really look at how are we allocating funds and infrastructure to support the development of the bioeconomy, infrastructure being basic science training all the way through to IT and computational science infrastructure required to really harness biology.
0: Well, maybe you can touch on some of the other policy issues of concern. Are, are you focused on issues of regulation workforce public investment in rd what are the the big issues driving the concerns of industry right now
1: yeah i mean so so many of those topics you said are important to us so you know regulation is an important element of the industry and we feel that proper regulation comes from proper education so our focus now is to really educate uh, regulators and policymakers around the opportunity as well as areas where regulation may be required um investment is a huge area that we're looking at and I, you know, I use similar, you know, we know that NIH funding hasn't uh, significantly increased over many, many years. Uh, but what we've seen is we've seen a reallocation of funds within NIH. And so, you know, oncology has become a huge area of funding and if you look back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was a smaller area of funding. Overall, financing hasn't changed significantly, but we've had reallocation of funds. We are trying to drive uh, much of that, again, to the Bioeconomy Alliance to look at areas where we feel incremental investments are required, and perhaps there can be a realignment of, of internal funds and resources. But it's not exclusively through NIH. You mentioned DOD, DARPA, Department of Energy. A number of entities are actively engaging uh, in creating the bioeconomy and, and manufacturing and, and bringing more through, through uh, biology. But other elements for us are important as well, you know, workforce issues, it's important that we have access to the smartest, most driven, best trained scientists on the planet. We want them to come to the United States and work in business, establish business. We want to ensure that those who are here in the United States have a, have a line of sight to an education that will enable them to move into the workforce that is a biological workforce versus perhaps a industrial-based uh, workforce. So all of those topics are are very important to us.
0: Are there big challenges that need to be addressed through pre-competitive issues that need to be solved by public private partnerships?
1: Well, I mean so it's it's that's it's a great question and you know I'll say that you know we have great examples of incredible public private partnerships such as the first human genome project, right? Uh, the sequence of that first, uh, human genome was, was a joint between NIH and human genome sciences and different commercial entities. Um as a matter of fact, when I was on the Hill, I kind of prefaced my comments with, we need to think about, you know, what is the next moonshot project for our bioeconomy, our biological thinkers in the country. You know, the, the human genome project was one of those moonshots and we've got a lot of others out there that we should think about. You know, from fundamentally trying to elucidate the operating mechanism for biology and understanding what biological components can be put together into organisms to, to drive, say, new paradigms in manufacturing, uh, to really get into, uh, understanding, uh, intercellular communication and how do we look at creating environments of microbes that can. Com- communicate with each other and respond to stimuli, and that response to stimuli elicits a different response, which may, again, from a manufacturing process, produce a compound or remediate something that's happening in nature. Um, so a lot of big challenges could be put on the table, and this is one of the kind of, the, I'll say, the thought experiments we've done the bioeconomy lines. You know, what are some of those big apps that we could go for? And that's what we're working on as we pull together our positioning papers.
0: When you think about the biggest barriers to realizing the potential of the opportunities before us today, what would you say they are? Is it scientific, policy, economic, or something else?
1: Yeah, so so I I believe largely it's scientific at this point. And I, I say that because, you know, as we've seen scientific innovation come online we see the economics around that scientific innovation come together quite quickly and we can model that pretty, pretty routinely as we look at, you know, again, it goes back to the example of precision healthcare. You know, the advent of next generation sequencing and then targeted sequencing, uh, really enabled us to elucidate the biology of driver mutations within tumors, which then of course informs which therapies are are prescribed to the individual. I think we are at a similar precipice right now in understanding biology from a manufacturing perspective, a food, feed, materials perspective, where we still fundamentally don't understand the rules to biology. And I'll say that this is kind of the largest challenge around synthetic biology. You know, know, synthetic biology being an interesting blend of biology and engineering and computational science, you know, from an engineering perspective, if you understand all the principal components, you can build anything. And I think when we initially went down the road of synthetic biology, we thought, well, we'll just figure out what the parts are of a living organism, then we can recombine those into a new organism. And we've learned that biology is complex, and we don't really understand those principal components yet. And hence, we need the new tools to elucidate those components. And when we do, we'll see those economic models fall in line. So to your question, I, I do believe that Right now, the scientific challenge is the largest challenge, which is what we focused on through the Bioeconomy Alliance, and ensuring that funding is flowing to the proper areas of research to enable that elucidation of principal components to enable the development of the bioeconomy.
0: Jason Gammick, Chief Commercial Officer of Inscripta and a founding member of the Bioeconomy Alliance. Jason, thanks so much for your time today.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.